Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. The more time you take, the more time you spend, the more time you get alone with the Lord, guess what? The deeper you're going to grow. Or you might even be wondering, like, you know, I'm a Christian, but why do I still have all these issues in my life? How come I'm not really changing? You know, so often that failure to change is connected back to a deficiency in a person's life regarding the Word of God. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of Mark. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Mark, chapter 4, verses 21 through 34, in a message titled, Kingdom Parables. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Verse 21, he said to them, now remember, he just finishes the, um, the previous parable, uh, talking about the various, you know, the seed falling on the various types of ground. And so then he said to them, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? Some people think that Jesus just goes off on a completely different topic here. No, he's not. He's, he's still on the same subject. Well, why does he bring in the lamp and the lampstand? What does that have to do with the seed? Why he brings this in is because what he's telling us is that the message that was contained in the first parable, the message about the seed being God's word and finding its place in people's heart, God's intention is that people receive it, people understand it, people apply it, and, and people are blessed by it. God, God didn't send Jesus to, to scatter the seed or to spread the word, nor does he send people out to do that so that it can remain obscured or hidden. No, just like a lamp is brought in order to bring everything to light, so Jesus is saying that, that he's come and the word has come to, to bring us understanding. And God's intention is that we understand so he, in a sense, you know, wants us to know that, that God is not seeking to hide truth from us. He wants to reveal truth to us, but the problem is often on our end. And that's why he says then, he says, if anyone has ears, let them hear. You see, the key is hearing. God has brought us the word concerning the kingdom, but we have the need to listen. And as we're going to see here in just a second, to listen attentively. So then he goes on. He said to them, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. So again, he said, if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. And then he said, take heed or consider what you hear. You see, this is the thing that Jesus is wanting to get across to us. These are God's truths. These are eternal truths. For us to have a casual, you know, sort of slightly disinterested attitude in them, that's not going to benefit us. That's not going to do what God intended to be done through his word. We have to consider God's word. We have to take and we have to 
invest our time in it and put forth our effort to really seek to understand it. And that's what Jesus is telling us here. He says to take heed or consider what you hear. Pay attention to how you hear. Are you really hearing this? Because, notice the next thing he says, with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. With the same measure you use. What does this mean? It means that our understanding and retention and benefit from God's word, it's dependent on what we do with what we hear. So with the same measure we hear, it's going to be measured back to us. So if I am not really paying attention and then I wonder, how come the word doesn't seem to be impacting me? How come it doesn't seem to be profiting me? You know, some people say, well, you know, I read the Bible, but it doesn't really do anything for me. The question is, what measure are you using? Because it's going to be measured back to you. So in other words, if you are coming at the scripture with, a, a, you know, a sort of just a got to get through this, got to get my Bible reading in and because I got a lot of other things going on. And if you're coming at it like that, you're not going to get much out of it. That's what it's telling us. But if you're coming out and saying, man, this is God's word. And even if I only get to read two or three verses today, this is God's word. So I want to zero in on what he's saying. And I want to walk away and think about what he's saying. That then is going to be measured back to us. So in other words, the more we look at it with in, intention of really growing, the more God is going to give us understanding and insight. So in a sense, we determine how deep we're going to go in the truth of God. And so that's what Jesus is telling us here. And to you who hear, more will be given. So for those who, who take God's word seriously, we can expect that God is going to continue to give us understanding of his word. But then he says this, for whoever has, to him more will be given, but whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. One of the other gospels clarifies, even what they seem to have will be taken. Now think of the group that Jesus is talking to. There's basically three different types of people here. There's the disciples. They're the followers of Jesus. So they're the ones that have, and Jesus says more is going to be given to you. But then there's another group that's kind of like, you know, they're interested, but they're not like super interested. They're interested in some things. They're, they're really interested in the miracle part. You know, a lot of people follow Jesus because he did miracles. And I'm sure some of them, every time Jesus said, hey, let's sit down and take a couple hours. I want to teach you. Some of them were like, oh, not another teaching. Come on, where's the miracles? I'm hungry. I heard that Jesus could make like lots of bread and stuff. Why, why isn't that going to happen? You know, there are people like that today. There are people who they follow after a show, and they want to go where the action is, and they have little tolerance for the truth of God's word. So they're, they're, they just, you know, they, they're not going to get much. But then there's one more group of people here. There are the religious leaders. 
Now, here's the thing. These guys seemed to have it down. They seem to have, they've got it. Man, these guys knew the scriptures. These guys, they spent their life studying the scriptures. So surely they, you know, they're going to be the ones that are blessed because, man, they have, they have been so meticulous. Did you know that in certain rabbinic circles, one of the ways that a, a rabbi is tested or a, a student is tested in, in their, you know, as they're progressing toward being a rabbi, one of the ways they're tested is by taking a, a text of scripture and they would then drive a nail through the text of scripture. Like if, if you just closed your Bible and you hammered a nail in it. And of course, if you did that, it, as it went through the pages, it would take letters and in some cases it would take words out, right? One of the ways they're tested is they do that to scripture. They open up and the student has to tell you every letter that's missing or in some cases, every word that's missing. So that's how thoroughly these guys get to know the word from a technical standpoint. Jesus even said in his day, he said, you search the scriptures, you think in them you have eternal life. But the reality is they, they testify of me. So there's that group, and what's the point? They seem to have it all. But the truth is they have nothing because they reject the author. They got the book, but they reject the author. And so Jesus is saying to the one who has, to the one who's embraced him and has faith, more is going to be given. But to those who do not have, even what they seem to have will be taken away. So those who do not have faith is what that would refer to there. Now, next he goes on and he tells us a little bit more about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So you see here, he's still dealing with the seed. Now, what is the point here? The point that Jesus is making right here is that we have a responsibility and God has a responsibility. And we can look at it in that sense. And, and what he's showing us here is, you know, our responsibility is fairly simple and it's just to scatter the seed. That's what we do. God's the one who makes it grow. God's the one who makes things happen. And just as the farmer, the farmer just goes out and he scatters the seed. And he is dependent now on something that he really doesn't have any control over. And so it grows. He does not know how. And, you know, that is true when it comes to the ministry. And sometimes, though, what we think, sometimes we think if I can't figure out how it works, I'm not going to do it. So, I mean, some people even would say, well, you know, why bother doing that? That's not going to do anything. I don't, I don't get how that's going to do anything. I don't really get how just, you know, faithfully teaching through the Bible, what's that going to do? We've got so many other things. We've got so many problems in the world. Because to them, it doesn't seem like, 
you know, what are we doing here? Well, here's what we're doing here. We're just scattering the seed out there. We're planting more seeds. What's it going to do? Where's it going to go? To what extent is there going to be an impact? And how is it all going to happen? I don't know. But I know it does happen because I've lived long enough to see it happen many, many times over. And what Jesus is reminding us here of is just the simple fact that we are involved in something that is supernatural. Jesus is saying, we don't have to figure it all out. We don't have to know. We just have to do the one thing. Just be faithful. Get the word in you and then just let it flow out of you and trust God for the rest of it. Now, as we go on, he comes now to the final parable that we're looking at here. And it's the parable of the mustard seed. And so he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God? And that's some of these parables are that. This is what the kingdom of God is like. What shall we liken it to? And what parable can we use to illustrate it? And he said this, it is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown in the ground is smaller than all the seeds on earth, But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air nest under its shade. So what is happening here? First of all, let me just say this. Some skeptics dismiss Jesus in the Bible because they look at this passage and they say, you know, Jesus, he thought the mustard seed was the smallest seed on earth. So he obviously can't be the son of God because the son of God would know that that's not the smallest seed on the earth. I can promise you Jesus knew that. Jesus didn't think this was the smallest seed on planet earth. But in the context that he was in, it was the smallest seed. He was illustrating the point. To them, this was the smallest seed. And it was the smallest seed really in the context of the herb gardens that they would have. And so this is the point, that this seed, although it's so small, barely perceptible, even in your hand, it grows not just like most herbs would do in a pot, but this thing will actually become like a tree. Most people think it's a black mustard. Nobody knows for sure. But you can find these uh, growing to 10 to 12 feet high. And yes, as Jesus said, birds would come and flock in it. But what's the point of the story anyway? The point of the story is this. The the question is, what is the kingdom of God like? Now, remember what they thought the kingdom of God was like. They thought the kingdom of God was like instant. Messiah comes. He proves himself to oppressing powers. He overthrows them. He conquers them. He sets up the Davidic kingdom, and it's all good. It's all done. That's what they thought. That's what they expected. Jesus said, no, the kingdom of God is actually like this. The kingdom of God, what he's telling them is it's going to be a process. And the process is going to begin almost imperceptibly. It's going to begin so small that no one would ever believe that it could become this thing that would encompass the whole world. And now, if you think about it, that's really exactly what has happened historically. Now, all of this took place in the, in the Roman province of Syria. Syria was 
you know, there, there was nothing really desirable about Syria from the standpoint of the, of the emperors. It was just this backwater area that was always kind of problematic. So in other words, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't any place in the empire that anybody would expect any grand or wonderful thing to come out of. So, that is, so it's in the province of Syria. And, and then we think of Jesus himself. Where is Jesus born? He's born in Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem had some notoriety back a long, long time ago because David was born there. But you know, by this time in history, Bethlehem was just was nothing. It would be like, you know, the birthplace of George Washington. You know, who even knows where he was born? Mount Vernon, I think. But, you know, who even knows or who even cares about that today? Nobody. Well, that's how Bethlehem was at the time. Jesus is born there. He's not, even, he's not even born in Jerusalem. And then where does he grow up? He grows up in Nazareth. And we know what Nazareth was like because one of the disciples, when he heard that, uh, you know, they said, we found Jesus of Nazareth. He's the Messiah. And was it Nathaniel or Philip said, Nazareth? Are you kidding and his point was, there's no way. Nothing good could come out of Nazareth. And then Jesus chooses these 12 guys to be his apostles. And we looked at them recently, remember, in our study. When you saw those people and Jesus, they're sitting on one of those hillsides overlooking the, the Sea of Galilee. There's not a single human being that would have said, these guys are going to change the whole history of the world. They would have never said that. This group is going to expand, and one day it's going to encompass the whole earth. Nobody would have ever even begun to dream that. And then, of course, especially when the leader died. The leader died. And then they said he rose from the dead. And most people said, oh, come on, that didn't happen. But in, in those early days, you know, I was listening to a teaching yesterday from a seminar or something, but it was called, the, the title of the message was The Church in Her House. And the point that the man was making was that in the second century, two-thirds of the church were made up of women. And his point was to talk about the great influence of women in the early days of Christianity. But his point also was to talk about how women, you know, were in that time in history just absolutely excluded from any and every, you know, important thing that happened. And nobody, as a matter of fact, the, the early um, antagonist of, of the Christian faith would mock Christianity as a religion for women and children. And so that was what it was. But now look at, here we are, 2,000 years later, and all over the world today, Millions of people have gathered to worship Jesus. That's what the parable is talking about. Who would have ever imagined that? Who would have ever dreamed that? Now, just a quick note, because some of you will know this. Uh, some look at the parable and they see it not as the, uh, a positive expression of what is you know, going to come ultimately. Some people look at it and see it as negative. The tree, the mustard seed growing into a tree, they say that that's unnatural growth. The birds, they say, are symbolic of evil because the birds snatched away the seed in the first parable, and we know that the birds there represented Satan. But I think what Jesus is saying here is different. I think that he's telling them that the kingdom of God 
is not going to be like you think it is. It's, it's not going to come instantly. It's going to be through a process. And the reference to the tree, Ezekiel speaks of kingdoms as like a great tree with animals under the branches. Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, he has a dream, and in the dream he is, or there's this great tree, and all of the animals have come to find shelter under the tree, and Daniel says, Nebuchadnezzar, that's you, that's your kingdom. So it's, it's a reference to the kingdom. So this is what Jesus is saying. It's going to start small, almost imperceptibly, but it's going to grow, and it's going to be, it's going to fill everything. And, and that's how God's word is, as we were saying before. God's word comes in, and sometimes almost imperceptibly. That's why I said earlier, as, as we just take it into our hearts, and as we let it flow from us into somebody else's heart, uh, there, there's those moments where it just, it's almost imperceptible. You don't, you don't even realize that anything happened. But it did happen. God, because God's at work. And so... As we finish up here, and with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. And this is what I want to leave us with. Remember where we started. We started with being attentive to the word. We started with seeing that be careful how you hear. Make sure you're really listening. Make sure you're taking time. Like we said, if this is really God's word, then why would I not give it the highest priority? I mean, if this is really the eternal word of God, why would I not want to just saturate myself with this so I could know the things that God wants me to know. And, and then as I see here that, that my knowledge and my prospect of my knowledge increasing, it comes back to my own appetite. The greater appetite I have for the word, the greater the provision will be for my appetite. With the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. And so with God's word, and here's the key. And when they were alone, Jesus explained all things to his disciples. And this is what we encourage, and this is what we say so often, and this is what we do ourselves. We need to get alone with the Lord. Get alone with Jesus and this book. Make time for this, because the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. The more time you take, the more time you spend, the more time you get alone with the Lord, guess what? The deeper you're going to grow. You might even be wondering, like, you know, I'm a Christian, but why do I still have all these issues in my life? How come I'm not really changing? You know, so often that failure to change is connected back to a deficiency in a person's life regarding the word of God. See, it's God's word that changes us. It changes us from the inside out. It's supernatural, just like the seed. The seed goes in and it produces life. We don't know how. And, and again, for some people, they say, well, what is that going to do? What do you mean just reading the Bible? How's that going to help? It's going to help. I can't figure it out. 
But remember this, it's God's word. It's God's word. And God's life is in his word. And so he's going to take his word by his spirit, and he's going to cause it to work in your life, to permeate your life, and it's going to produce fruit. And that's going to overflow to others as well. Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Another Gospel by Elisa Childers. Progressive Christianity undermines the authority of Scripture and redefines many essential truths of the gospel. With powerful insight and intellectual integrity, Elisa Childers compares and contrasts the historic Christian gospel with the progressive gospel, enabling you to wrestle with doubts of your own or the challenge of others to the historic Christian faith. The book Another Gospel by Elisa Childers is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of Mark. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.